wonderful way. I love Brother Logan. It's a good to be with you. Good to be with everybody. Glad Andrew made the trip. Come a long way, didn't you, brother? Amen. Well, I enjoyed that preaching. That was really good preaching. And uh, you pray for me tonight that the Lord would touch us and help us. And I want to be a blessing to you. I want to read here in Luke chapter 17. Luke 17. I've got a lot of friends. I don't want to, I guess, keep building him up, but I thought of this on the way over here. I've got a lot of friends, but Brother Jason has just been one of them true friends and uh, helped me a lot. And I want to tell him that in front of everybody tonight. And I can say, can't you, along with what he preached, I can look back now and see where I thought it was going all wrong, but it was going all right. And uh, sometimes to get the courage to go forward, got to look back like we sang about. Look what God has done for you. See what He has brought you through. Amen. And He'll do it again, won't He? And He's not going to fail us now. And He can do anything but fail. Luke 17. about verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And he said unto his disciples, The days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you shall not see it. And they shall say unto you, See here or see there. Go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning that lighteth out of one part of under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first must... He suffered many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he which shall be upon his housetop and his stuff in the house Let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise return not back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed, one taken, 
the one taken and the other shall be left. Two women be grinding together. One of them shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be taken in a field. One shall be taken and the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. Thank you for reading along with us. I remember one other time preaching on what I'm going to attempt to preach on tonight, but the Lord has made it real to me again. And I believe if I'll just take my time and let the Lord speak through me, I can be a help to you. I want to preach on, out of verse 31, there's a word here. In that day he that shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. I want to preach on stuff. I want to preach on stuff. And uh, you know, sometimes you kind of back up in your seat if a preacher gets up and if he was to say, I want to preach on stuff. Is he going to preach on my stuff? Does he know some stuff about me? You know, lots of things could run through our mind. But I promise you, I don't want to hurt you tonight. I want to help you. I want to preach for the glory of God, and God through His Word will speak to us tonight. And that's a great thing. God's already spoke to us tonight through His Word, and I'm glad He has. And there's something in it for me, and I trust tonight that I can be as much a help to you as Brother Jason already has been in in, uh, preaching the Word of God. But he said here, they asked him about, the Pharisees asked him some questions, then he turns to the disciples and tells them about his coming and his, when he's revealed. This is, you know, he's gonna suffer, he's gonna die on Calvary, and he's gonna go away, and then as he has told them, and he tells them, I'm gonna come again. He tells them what it'll kind of be like. He tells them the attitude of the people. They'll just be kind of carrying on. They won't be looking for it, but we as believers are to be looking for it. And, uh, and so, and unto them who look for Him shall He appear the second time. But uh, He tells them this, and I can remember this probably if, if you ask me, what do you remember? A common subject being preached when they would gather around and the preachers would get all fired up and the people was wanting to have revival and warn sinners and an urgency would get in the air. This is some of the things that they would deal with. The Lord's coming. And they would preach it with such fervency and power that folks thought he was going to come that night. And I'm talking about, and I'm 44, I'm talking about in the 80s they would preach at. There would be a holy hush come over all the people. And they would tell people that if you ain't right when the Lord comes, you won't have time to get right then. They would say, now's the time. And the Bible does declare that. Now's the time. If you hear His voice, harden not your heart. Now's the time. Today is the day. And uh, But so they said he would come like lightning real fast all of a sudden that people when this comes as it was in the days of Noah. One day God calls Noah into the ark, the door shut and it begins to rain and there's nowhere to hide. It says that it's like the days of Lot. Uh, they did what they did and then one day Lot, God came and sent the angels, Lot come on let's go and the very day that he left out 
it rained fire and brimstone and destroyed them all. So it's it's an event that's long for, but when it happens real quick, you know, that's kind of the way that they would preach it, kind of the way we read this here. Now, you know, we got a lot of different views on eschatology, end times, the coming of the Lord, and all of that, but I believe we ought not squabble about it too much if we all believe He's coming. I'll tell you what Jesus said for us to do, be ready. And that is to all of us. Even we as a people of God need to be ready. We should live like He could come tonight, because He could. We should live like we could face Him. We could be at the judgment seat of Christ real soon, very soon, and we don't want nothing undone. We want to be in His will. We want to be as there's a little lady back home. We would go and sing Christmas carols to her around Christmas time, and she would stop us, and she would start testifying with tears running down her face, telling us how much she loved us and appreciate us for coming by and she'd say I want every one of y'all to know that I'm packed up and ready to go I don't have an odd in my heart against nobody I'm ready to go and that's the way we need to be and uh, and so but he said here that it's if the Lord was to come speaking to them if this event happens and you're on the housetop now they live different and this was of their culture and they could relate to what he's saying and your stuff is in the house, he says, don't take time to go down and get it. And so, you know, uh, as a boy, I would listen to this stuff and I would, you know, and there's several things that we could think about as as we look at this. But I want to preach on stuff and I sat down last night and and just wrote some scriptures down for the sake of turning and flipping. I wrote them down and this will help us a little bit. It helped me. I thought this was pretty amazing. Brother Jason preaching about Joseph and, uh, and, and what happened in his life and how God sent him down there for a reason uh, for a posterity and then when Joseph and them kind of got it all worked out they didn't know what he was going to do and he weeps upon their neck they're telling him they're sorry and he says don't really worry about it I know you meant it for evil but he said God meant it for good and they were saved alive if it hadn't happened I mean you know where, where would we be but thank the Lord for that but in the first place I've got here is in Genesis 40 they come down in there and they, they see all this stuff you know in Egypt and he tells them don't regard it and I tried to get to real mean that but what he's saying is he said don't spare if you need it take it it was called stuff but he said uh, Joseph said unto them the stuff you'll need it'll be supplied because he said all of Egypt is yours in other words everything you need you find it here I'm glad of that ain't you I thought that's pretty amazing that's the first thing I had. In Ezekiel 22, I'm going to read these to you before I preach. In Ezekiel 22, 7, it said, If a neighbor, if a man comes and gives his neighbor stuff, it calls it stuff, and the stuff gets stolen, whoever stole it, the thief would pay double. In other words, of what the stuff was worth. In Joshua <coughs> chapter 7, verse 1. You know about the children of Israel, how Achan had took the accursed thing, and the Bible said he took it and hid it in his tent. God said Israel have taken the accursed thing, and they put it among their own stuff. It's not theirs, and they've just 
collected it like it was and put it among their stuff. And we know what happened. We know the reproach that this brought. In 1 Samuel 10, 21 and 22, Saul was chosen king and we know he was an answer to the people's prayer. We know he was. We know David was really the one God wanted, the anointed one. We know a lot of that story there. But when they began to seek Saul and had his family there and brought him in, they began to look for the man that was going to be their king. And they couldn't find him. And God said, he's hiding among the stuff. And the Bible said he stood up out of the stuff and he was higher than all of them from his head and shoulders up. It's just interesting to me. My heart would just flutter, you know, as I was reading God's Word last night in 1 Samuel 25 and 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 24. They were told to guard about 400 men, Brother Ken, split them up twice. Some went to battle, but the other just stayed by the stuff. They guarded it. And so some stuff ain't too important. But this stuff was. And they needed to stay by that and guard that stuff and keep that stuff. And so that's in 1 Samuel 25, chapter 25, and 1 Samuel chapter 30. In the days of Nehemiah, there was somewhat a conspiracy happened. And there was a man named Tobiah who had been had moved into the chamber where the vessels of God belonged. And they took the, the, the vessels of God there that was to honor God from the chamber and moved in Tobiah. When Nehemiah had kind of come into this and he'd heard of this evil, he took Tobiah's stuff and throwed it out. And then he took and brought in the vessels back in to the house of God. And then in Ezekiel 12, uh, uh, he was commanded, Ezekiel was, to take his belongings and its reverence to his stuff. He said, take your stuff and put it on you and carry it. He said, do this in front of the people. And as you carry this stuff, it's for a sign. And the people's going to ask you what's going on. And he says, well, this is what God has told me to do. And I'm going to remove this stuff from my place, from its place. He said, and God's also going to move you from your place like I'm moving this stuff. And he said, you're going to go into captivity. So that's several places in the Word of God that it mentions stuff. Now I just tried to, this is to help build some ground here. I tried to look it up and I feel like this is very needful just to give us some, to help us, you know. Uh, stuff, we know what stuff is and that's what we call some things that, you know, it, uh, we'll be uh, trying to clean something up and we say, I don't know what this stuff is, you know. Uh, but it's a common noun. It's more informal than just saying that thing, you know, it's thing, what is it, stuff. It is a mass of matter. It can be just an indefinite description. Dust can be just stuff. Just piles up, you know. And, and, and it can be stuff or components that things are made up of. Stuff. And, uh, and it, is, it is the matter of which things are made of. And, uh, and, and stuff uh, feels. You stuff a pillar. Or, or somebody's got a lot of, just a lot of stuff. Their mind's filled with it. It just stuff, or or a heart can can be weighed down. Just too much stuff. It's a matter of things. Particularly, a lot of times, it's just stuff. It's worthless. But it does mean, as I've said, to like stuff a pillar. Or if someone overeats or eats all they want, they'd say, "I'm stuffed." Uh, stuff 
comes from the Word uh, to uh, provide what's necessary, like furnish a house, you know, put the stuff in there that's needed. And a lot of times in the Bible when we read the Word stuff, it's not in a negative manner. It's not talking about that as it's insignificant, but that's just the Word that's used. As I've said, a lot of stuff, some stuff is very important. Uh, but And so I come to this place in the book of Luke now where I read to you where I, I said the Lord is set, speaking of His coming and He says that if you're on the housetop don't come down from the housetop to get your stuff and, uh, and, and He says remember Lot's wife we know that they were told to leave out don't look back but she did look back and she turned into a pillar of salt and she looked back because there were things there that it was hard for her to leave it was hard for her. She knew no doubt what was going to happen. <clears throat> she had connections down there. People she loved down there. It was a very difficult thing. But it wasn't. It was, he wanted her just to forget that. And just go on. Deliverance has come for her. Leave it behind. But I thought about it. How much power that stuff has over us. How much power would stuff have uh, if if you're a believer and and you're wanting the Lord to come or the Lord is coming for you to take you to a better place and yet you still could be so attached that you really just wouldn't want to let go of something that we call stuff. Now there's a lot of things that could be said here. I will say this that I think that as I pulled up here, I know I think they got storage units over there. I asked Brother Logan, I said, whose little buildings are them here? He said, that's the owners. He put stuff in there or whatever. I don't know if he used that word, but that's what he meant. There's probably never been a generation like we are living in. I mean, I, I had a fella who lived in a, a farmhouse. He was homeless. And we kind of let him kind of try, you know, and he's wanting to help himself. And so we felt like good as a Christian, you know, should be, we would let him help. And so he did. He did good for a while, but it come a time we had to do what we had to do. And so he had some stuff in there. And he was in jail. And his stuff had to go. And I respected his stuff because it was like stuff that meant something to him. You know, I was very aggravated, but I still felt like the right thing to do was take care of his stuff. And so I began to look for somewhere to put it. And I mean, I looked on the internet. I looked everywhere. I couldn't find nowhere to put his stuff. I finally found a place 45 minutes away in a little community called Summershade. I rented, I think it's a 12 by 14 or 16 place, and we put his stuff there. He called me one day when I took his car near the jail and I put it there and my wife wrote a note. He called me. The man has been in jail. He, he was on meth. He walked in a house with a butcher knife and a crowbar and a widow woman, I, my neighbor, a woman I respect and have, watch out for, and he drawed the line. Something had to be done. But you know what he called me worried about? Where's my stuff? What's happened to my stuff? It's amazing what a, how attached we are to stuff. Most of it can be replaced. Not all of it can. But I'll deal with that a while. There's never seemingly been a generation that has an overabundance of stuff. And, and you know, my wife will go out in the shop and it's full and it's embarrassing almost for any of my friends to see. It's got so much stuff in it. 
and they'll go out there and, and we, uh, you know, and my girls, Daddy, you need to throw this away. But I think of what I can do with stuff, you know. I mean, I might need this stuff. But for it, before you know it, I mean, it's running out the door. And that's the way we are in our country. Other countries, Brother Andrews traveled. They envy us because we've got so much stuff. And they think, how could anybody not be happy with so much stuff? But you know your neighbors. You know yourself. And I know me. And stuff don't make you happy. It just don't tonight. Oh, but we've got so much stuff, Brother Andrew. It's running out our ears. We buy, we rent buildings to put it in. We've got an overflow of it. And I mean to think about the attachment of, a, of, a, of an individual that could be to his stuff. He can be so attached that he feels like that I can't live without this stuff. Insignificant stuff. Just stuff that's collected. Stuff does, you know, stuff, I mean, has meaning. Maybe something has meaning to you that is of no value really, you know, but it means something because of a sentimental value or of whatever. So I'm not demeaning your collection tonight. I'm not demeaning necessarily you having stuff, but I want you to know that we got a problem when stuff has us. We got a problem when stuff runs us, when the stuff rules us. The message is tonight in that situation, do you need to get rid of some stuff? Is there things in your life that's just collected up? Like dust maybe. It's just piled up. It's been swept under the rug. And now you're trying to do your best, but you keep tripping over it. You'd love to be freed up to go for God, but you've got so much stuff clinging on to you that you can't do it. You can't hardly be faithful to church because you owe for so much stuff. You're having to take extra hours at the job because to pay for stuff. I'm preaching and I feel God tonight. The Lord loves us and He wants us to free up and get rid of some stuff tonight. He wants us to have freedom in Him. He doesn't want us to be dominated and held back by just stuff. He loves us to talk to us like this. He's a father to us. Son, I've got better for you than for you to be ruled and dominated by stuff or for you to feel like that if you to feel like that if you could get nothing wrong with updating I'm not preaching condemnation tonight but I know people who have been and maybe you've did this I've seen this happen to wonderful Christians by the way they thought if they could just get rid of some stuff and replace it with new stuff that would fix it but the new wears off and it just becomes stuff it never ends that's not the answer tonight not the answer. Now, I got plenty of stuff now, I mind you. Stuff that I ain't used in years. But it needs to be in my heart, and I do need to know that I don't have, that's not where my happiness is. And as Brother uh, Arterburn preached, that's not how God measures success, and He don't want me to do that. And He don't want you to leave Him out of the picture and just run after whatever stuff it might be and, 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 and wound your own self and harm yourself spiritually thinking that, you know, if I'll do this, others might look at me. I would please someone else. Don't do that. That's not what God wants for you. 
<laughs> but if I just, I, you know, stuff. And it's interesting to go to, like the yard sale back home, man, there's all kinds of stuff, they say. You know, all kinds of stuff. Look at stuff. Pick up stuff. Don't even have to buy it. Just lay it down. It's enjoyable somewhat. But there is something in this for us tonight. He, he says, could it be that, you know, he says, remember Lot's wife. He says, before this day comes, you may have fixed yourself to where when this time comes, just leave it behind. Understand that what awaits, there's no comparison to what awaits than stuff. He says, don't lay stuff up in this world. Lay stuff up over there. Not just stuff. Stuff with meaning. Treasures. Stuff that won't burn. Stuff the termites can't eat. Stuff the moth can't corrupt. Stuff that the thieves don't want. Lay it up yonder. Don't lay up so much stuff down here that you're detached from where you're going. Amen tonight. We got too much stuff. I believe every one of us, myself, you and all, could join together in thought and prayer tonight. And there's some things if we'd get rid of, we'd be better off without it. It might take a week or two, but we could eventually agree, God, you're right. I didn't need that. It was holding me down. But I feel much lighter now. I feel much better now. Thank God tonight. He said... Don't be so attached to stuff that if that hour come that you would even think of, let me get down and get my whatever. He says, come go with me. (coughs) Lots can be said tonight. There is good message that could be preached. Staying by the stuff. You've probably heard that preached on. That's a catchy phrase. Staying by the stuff. When I was a boy and I'd hear somebody say, stay with the stuff. It sounded a little odd to me. The people I was around didn't talk like that. I thought, you didn't learn to talk like that out in the tobacco barn. They didn't. But you know where stuff is a slang word? Come from the ghetto. That's right. Come from the ghetto. It's used in the ghetto. It didn't come from there, but it's used in the ghetto. So they don't want to call it what it really is. You got any stuff? Amen. That's what they use that word. I, I said it come from there, but it's very, very used there. Right. It's used a slang. <clears throat> Got any of that stuff? That's what they say. And, uh, and so, uh, some stuff will harm you. You know, uh, some stuff, we talk about things and we get stuff on our mind. And we really don't want to say what it is. If somebody says, what's bothering you? You really, j- just stuff. It's more than that, ain't it? It's a real thing. I mean, it really weighs on you. It troubles you. And the Lord wants you to... He says, bring that to me. Bring that stuff to me. Give that to me. As I said earlier, you may feel like that you've not been successful. You don't have as much stuff as somebody else has. The Bible says a man's life does not consist... Of the abundance of things which he possesses. Just prior to that, Brother Ken, he says, Beware of covetousness. Don't covet stuff. 
God says, be content with such as you have, the stuff you have, and the stuff we need. And, and, and listen, I'm, I'm almost, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know if it's going to be like it was in the children of Israel when God come in judgment and the darkness got so thick. But He said the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. I don't know what we're fixing to go through in this country. We may realize that we for sure don't have to have all this stuff that we thought we had to have. I mean, we may be a burning this winter to stay warm. Amen. I don't know, but I know that things are changing. Uh, things are changing and, and people are just eat up with it. And if God would just have mercy on us in His wrath, remember mercy and help us uh, to get back if He would by His grace. Let us love one another again. Let stuff become insignificant. Let us look upon the things that are eternal and not so many things which are temporary. Help us to be not so carnal minded and materialistic minded but to be spiritually minded and in so he said is life and peace the other is death it brings destruction to the heart and to the mind and to depression it comes we are the most depressed age I know our diet has something to do with that I know that there are chemical imbalances I'm not fussed at nobody it is real I have dealt with it my own self but I do know there are a lot of things if we could just get rid of it would heal a lot of things it would help us it'd be happier people some of the happiest people I knew grew up growing up they didn't own their house they were happy now some of those people started out you know meager beginnings and they worked and then one day they'd buy them a place I remember my dad he was always so filled with happiness and joy for them people. My dad would use this phrase, I like to see hard-working people do good. I do too. I think there's labor. There's reward to labor. I know God honors that. God wants us to work. But I don't know if He wants us to work so much for stuff. You know what I'm saying? There were those... That thought, as prosperity preachers today, Paul told Timothy, there are those that believe that godliness is gain. But that's not so, he said. And so they would covet after riches and used God as a prop and said, God's blessing me. I'm going to go for it. And God's blessing is upon it. And then they got it. And it pierced their own self through with many sorrows after they coveted after. So the Lord tells them here, beware of covetousness. It'll harm you. It'll harm you. The best thing for a young person, and it was for me, is to really want something and they can't get it. It builds character. It builds character. It did for me. I know a man who's very successful right now. He's got boys. And, and he says if they want it, they can work for it. He could get it for them. But he said, I'm not doing that to them. I know another man who's worked just the same. And if his boy wants something, he gets it for him. And I know right now, and the friendship is hindered. Because the one boy whose dad didn't get it for him is jealous. I know this. I experienced this. I dealt with this situation two days ago. One of them is calling the other one. He's upset at him. He says, I don't have daddy's money. And I said to this boy, I said, well, your mother and dad did build you up. That's why everybody you worked with called you privileged because you are privileged. Yeah. 
And I said, I'd find me an old beater and I'd drive it around. That's what I did. I didn't want him talking to me like that. I worked for what I had and he was so frustrated. But I was trying to tell him, I said, in a little way, your parents have somewhat done you an injustice and caused you some of this hurt. And they may be listening right now, but the shoe fits you've got to wear it, friend. You can ruin somebody. But we've ruined society, brother kid. It's ruined. Give them stuff. I can't afford it. Don't worry, we'll give it to you. And feel like that, and everybody's entitled. If someone else has worked hard for their stuff, this other one over here hasn't, he envies that person, he despises that person, and he wants to be equal to that person. Before it's all over, if that trend continues, everybody will be on the same plane and we'll all be flat broke. And dignity and pride and self worth will be flushed down the drain. And you talk about a sorriness, a sorry bunch. You make those who know that you're supposed to earn what you have and work for it and get it honest, they give up because this bunch over here, it takes the, it takes the sap out of them. It drains them. And they like, I'm tired. That's why people just throw in the towel. Tired. And all behind the scenes is a bunch of people working to make the people to just get them to serve them. That's what socialism is. That's all it is tonight. But it's not, it's not got you in its best interest tonight. But we do know that we can get by with less stuff. And sometimes stuff piles up and we have to make a decision. You know, something's got to go. When that comes, you know, sometimes we get rid of the wrong stuff. I think we've done that in the churches. We've took some good stuff and let it go. He told that church, strengthen the things that remain and are ready to die. So some stuff is still with us. I'm glad we have some stuff. Some may have left out, but we're blessed to have good singing like we had tonight. Good Bible preaching. A place to come to. And gather together and assemble. A vehicle to drive. Brothers and sisters, that's good stuff, thank God, tonight. I've heard Brother Bright sitting here preaching. He would say, that's good stuff. I like good stuff, don't you? And we need to stay with it. And they stood by it. David said, some's got to go and fight. But this stuff is precious. We're going to need this stuff today. We're going to need it tomorrow. And he said, your job of staying by the stuff is just as important as those who's going on ahead and preserving our way forward. There are some stuff that we need. And I think you know, there's no way tonight that I could cover all this. But there is some stuff we need to hang on to tonight. Some stuff we need to get rid of. But I thought about it. Here they are. The Lord said lightning is lightning comes out of the sky, shoots across the sky right fast, lightens the sky as it was in Noah's day. Real quick He came. And in Lot's day He come. And that's going to be in the revealing of the Son of Man. And somebody could be so attached to stuff that they would want to take some with us. But here's my thrill tonight. I'm glad that everything we need is going to be there. And we won't need this stuff. Ain't you glad of that? 
There's a lot of things now that you have to have to get by. It's really hard to, to you know, people get a job and they want that job uh, and for the pay, of course, but a lot of times what really weighs it out is the benefits. Is there what kind of insurance do, have, or do you offer? Is there a retirement plan? Is there that kind of stuff? Is what comes in the mind? But I'm glad when the trumpet sounds and we get light on our feet and start heading to yonder's world. It ought not be. It ought to be settled already. Everything we need is already there in Him tonight. We don't need all this stuff. Thank God we're going to leave a lot of stuff behind, a lot of heartaches behind, a lot of troubles behind. I mean, thank God for that tonight. Where you're going, you won't have to work no more. You say, preacher, I like working. There's, I understand that. And I like working people. But let them start putting you on six twelves. It gets old. It gets to where it ain't even worth it for the pay. They're running us to death. Running us in the ground. You're wore out, thank God, and I am too. But I'm glad when we get tired, our living's done been made in Jesus. We won't have to work. He said, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yea, henceforth saith the Spirit, they'll rest from their labors and their works will do follow them. And when we get over there, and if we could put ourselves there and look back, it's telling us what matters here. It's the stuff we do for the Lord. It's the stuff we do that brings honor to Him. It's the stuff we've done sin on to meet us over there. Heard a good story here a while back. It was just a little old made up thing. But the fellow died, stood before St. Peter, he enters into the pearly gates. He says, take me to where I live. They keep walking past mansion, past mansion, past mansion. Get down here to a little old shack on the side of the road. He said, here's your home forever. He said, you mean this is where I'm going to stay in heaven? I thought there'd be more for me there. He said, well, I just did the best I could for what you sent me. Amen. <laughs> He was a materialistic minded person. Everything he had was here. He didn't have much over there. Now I know the Lord's over there. But do you believe there'll be a difference in heaven in the kingdom? For sure I do. Yes, sir. There's millennialist and non-millennialist and all of that. There's a big old Bible with a whole lot of things to say. And not one minute that you've ever spent for God is wasted. But a lot of hours that we've spent worrying over stuff or burn up. He said Christ is our foundation and for us to take heed with what kind of stuff we build on that foundation. He said build with good stuff. He said don't build with number twos or threes, wood, hay, stubble, straw, all that stuff. He said this fire that comes, God is a consuming fire and ain't nothing going to make it through that fire that ain't already been tried by fire. And he said he's going to come. And listen, there may be some of you not needs to hear this. Ain't everybody going to have the same stuff when they get over there because the Bible said that some's going to be saved Yet so as by fire, they're going to suffer loss, loss, because they built their life and made everything about stuff. It's in the book. Stuff. So do you need to think about your stuff tonight? What's your stuff doing to you? Don't let stuff ruin your home. Don't let stuff take you away from your wife or your husband. Don't let stuff rob you of joy tonight that, that God wants you to have. Don't let stuff get in the way. Be careful going into debt for stuff. 
There, it is true that you can't hardly have anything as far as a home. I understand these things. But it is also true that the borrower is servant to the lender. He owns part of you, if not a whole lot of you, until you get out from under that. And sometimes I think about that stuff, don't you? What's God got to say about this stuff? He's got a lot to say about this stuff. We heard some good preaching tonight before I preached. And, and I've preached my heart to you tonight. It's just what God sent to us. It's what God wanted us to meditate upon. This revival's been set here, these nights of meeting, your pastor under his leadership and you as a church on board tonight. And this brother and I have just, we've sought God. Lord, what do you want? So it's what God wanted. It's what God wanted for you and everyone that's here. And you're not privileged to hear myself or to be in Brother Arterburn's presence, but we're privileged that God's talking to us. And God always speaks to His children in love and care for them. And if God's dealing with your heart tonight, I'm not at all trying to make anything confusing. I've seen people go home and do a lot of things based on what the preacher said and run wild with a lot of things. I'm not asking you to just make a rash decision tonight, but let God's Word richly dwell in you. Let God talk to you as father and child. And let Him speak and let Him put His finger on what stuff He wants to. And, and not everything is wrong. Not everything is bad. Some preachers might preach out of anger or they're just aggravated because you've got stuff and they don't. I don't know, but that's nothing of the motive here tonight. And that's got nothing to do with this meeting. We want God's help tonight. And God cares. God cares about you. He's got plans for you. That Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, most of the, it, it sounds better in our language, almost sounds better when it's translated into what some people might say it's really saying, you know, I have hope for you and plans for your future. But God said He had an expected end. In the mind of God in eternity past, He got a plan for you. He, he's, he, and, and, you, and He does not. You can make the trip miserable. Do you believe that? You can make the trip miserable. One brother preached this, and I mean, he, he's not even my kind of guy, but man, what he said was so right. He sat but down beside a grumpy man on an airplane, and he said, I thought, I don't want to ride between here and where I'm going beside this dude. And so he got the stewardess to come, and he said, Can I change seats? She said, nope, you can't. You're stuck here. And there's a lot of times that I'd love to change seats. I'd love to walk another trail. But I'm on the trail. But she said to him, she said, Sir, I promise you, you're going to land at such and such place. Now you can either accept the seat you're in and be happy with the things that you've been given and make the best of it, or you can go miserable one way or the other. That spoke to me. It speaks to us all tonight. But stuff don't make us happy. If it does, it's temporary. Even sin, there's pleasure in it for a season. It may have felt good to that man who ran out and had that thing with that other woman. Oh yes, for a little while. And then when it hit him in the face, what he'd done, oh my, 
Amen. It felt good to the prodigal son when he left home. What freedom I've got. I can buy what I want to with my money. I can do what feels right. I can do I get to live a little. But down in the hog pen, when he come to himself, what have I done? Thank God he come back home. He could. He can. You can. Is it over for me, preacher? I've really messed up a lot of my th- you know, it's stuff. I, it ain't over for you. Not for your child of God. For sure it's not over. Eternity awaits. Your best days are ahead. But let the Lord work on you. And if He ain't working on you tonight, you got an issue. you got an issue tonight. I want to make this clear. Salvation is more than religion. It's a relationship. Salvation is not what you can do for God, but what God did through His Son for you. And He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. And sometimes that work and chastisement of the Father to get us where He wants us to be and straighten us out and make us into what He wants us is kind of rough. But He does it because He loves us. And so, what's God said to you tonight? I'm going to give an invitation if that's all right, Brother Love. Stand with me if you would. Has God, is God talking to you? Maybe that thing that you're frustrated with that you thought,